Isaiah, the mini Bible. This is part three, and the title is called The Truth About the Devil. It's found in Isaiah 14, 12 through 17. As we are going through this mini Bible of Isaiah, at some point the devil himself must be addressed. Here in Isaiah, we got to see the transition of Lucifer, a high-ranked angel known as the son of morning or light-bearing one, into Satan, the destroyer, deceiver, devil, the hater of mankind. And so as Paul the Apostle wrote about the devil, he made it very clear that he is our adversary, and he made it very clear not to be ignorant of him and his devices. But this evil that is represented is not the average normal person's heart. Someone or something or some individual has tapped into something terribly awful. This is expressed in violence of one person to another. Outside of the Bible declaring his existence, if there was no mention of the devil in the Bible, just what we have read, seen, and been told, there is evil that is beyond an average normal person's psyche. There is an influence in this world that is so destructive. In verse 12 of chapter 14, it says this of Lucifer. It says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You who weaken the nation. This reveals that Satan at one time was very highly esteemed in heaven. He was in a right relationship with God at one time. His position in heaven was very significant. It was very glorious. In Ezekiel 28, which are parallel passages of his fall, which I'll read in just a second, Lucifer was described as the anointed cherub. He was stunningly beautiful. There was no reason that he doesn't still remain stunningly beautiful to this very day. In that description of Ezekiel, he is also described as worship. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day that you were created. He's, he was created to be worship. He might have actually been the worship leader of heaven. And here's what it says in Ezekiel. It says, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, the topaz, and diamond, the beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity, iniquity was found in you. And by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of splendor. So the whole imagery and the truth of this devil is given to us. You know, sometimes the imagery of cartoons gives people the imagery of the devil. So understand the devil is not in red spandex jumpsuit with horns, a tail, a pitchfork, and hoof feet. No, the Bible says he was beautiful. And I add the adjective stunningly beautiful. What's well, what he was. But notice the devil has fallen from heaven, as Isaiah says, how you are fallen from heaven. It doesn't mean that the devil does not have access to heaven, for he does. The Bible teaches that. What does he do, one might ask, in heaven? Well, he goes before God and he accuses you. You messed up. You failed. He's right there accusing you before God as not worthy. He is, as the Bible says, the accuser of the brethren. But his access will end one day. 
It will happen one day, as the Bible talks about this, on the day in tribulation period, where Jesus will be cast out of heaven for good. It says, and war broke out in heaven, with Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So this great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So there it is. It speaks of the very fact that he was disqualified himself from the processes or the purposes and the plans of God in life for heaven. But why and how did Satan fall? It's actually all summed up for us in verses 13 and 14 of Isaiah 14 in his own statement where he says, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the further sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. The I will, each one of these I will statements is with a purpose. It's not just out of the blue, but a purpose behind it. And the purpose was in complete defiance of God. In each of this I will statements, Satan is elevating his own will over and above the will of God for Lucifer's life and for the plan that God had for Lucifer's life. You see, the I will is at the very heart of all sin. When my, my will runs contrary to God's will and his word for my life, and I choose my will over God's will, that is the very heart of sin. When I read in his word on honesty and trustworthiness and service and giving and forgiveness, yet I come up with my own idea in how I will handle that area of my life as opposed to how he wants me to handle it, so I obey my idea instead of his. That is pride. It's the same pride that caused the fall of Lucifer. You see, sin is just simply rebellion from the word of God in my life. And with Lucifer, in Ezekiel, what we just read, it says that you were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. Iniquity is a form of sin, but it means to be twisted. It's a warped kind of sin. And listen, the center of all pride is the letter I, which is the center of that word. We all have heard the phrase that there's no I in team. Well, the idea comes from a person who is self-willed and not being a team player. Thus, I, once again, is the center of all pride. Even in the word sin, the central letter is I. And to elevate myself above the word of God is the core of all sin. And I is at the center of that core. Paul was speaking about in the last days, just prior to Christ's return, that men would be lovers of themselves. And we as Christians witness this epidemic of self all around us in the world, but specifically in our own nation. People don't ask what is, what is right in God's sight. They don't question themselves, am I doing the right thing? Let me check with God and his word. No, we as a nation are so far removed from that. It's about what I want to do, what is best for me. If God aligns with it, that is cool. It's not a decision about other people and what's best for them, but what is helpful for them at all, not, a, not in that way at all. As a matter of fact, as an example of this in marriage, it's about me. It's about my happiness. The center of my life is not my spouse, but it's me. We can't say today that there's no I in marriage, for there is an I in the word marriage. It's pretty close to the center of the word, too. And what happens is someone does not want to live for someone else any longer. 
This married life is infringing on me finding myself and expressing myself or just self. And what started out in wedding vows of selflessness, I promise, I promise, I vow, has turned to, well, I'm over that now. I need to do what's best for me. And what is best for me doesn't come from the word of God, but it comes from me. It'll come from my girlfriends or come from my buddies. There's this huge mark of entitlement that has marked our country. And when you look at the increase of violence, we are so aware of seeing self-willed people going into Walmarts and shooting as many as they can, or they're showing up to a church service with a gun ready to erupt their, you know, their will on innocent people. Listen, abortion is one of the quintessential of violence in our culture. Over 3,000 babies are aborted every single day in the USA. It's the same number killed in 9-11. Think about it. Every single day in America, we have a 9-11. That is, that, that a self-will is more important than a human life. And there are ladies who have become Christians who still hurt from having an abortion. It's their own hidden scar. But now we're in Christ Jesus and our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. But no doubt, abortion is an epidemic. I'm just amazed it's not getting better but it's getting worse as many children are aborted during the third trimester in some states. The Sandy Hook school shooting, 26 dead. 20 of them were first graders. Someone nursed those 20 kids, taught them how to walk and talk. Those were lives others invested into and loved deeply. And people say that there's not a devil. See, understand that the devil is behind self-willed. Every act of selfishness is at the expense of others is at the start with him, Lucifer, the devil. Satan. How do we keep from being conformed to all of this? I think Jesus said it well. He said, if a man come after me, let him deny himself. This is right in line with what we're talking about. You want to go where I go, says Jesus, then you must first deny yourself. He's not talking about deny something in your life as much as he's talking about the self nature of our lives. And then he says, take up the cross and follow me. The greatest commandment Jesus said is to love God and to love others. And these two commands teach us the blessed life that God would intend for all of us to live by. First, putting God first in my life, and second, and equal to, is putting others second in my life. Or, yeah, second in my life. Putting God first, and then second, others in my life. Then putting myself third in that progression. I've learned years ago is the acronym for joy, J-O-Y, and it made sense because J is for Jesus because he's first, O is for others, because that's second, and why is for me, which is third. That is joy, and it makes sense, for this is what Jesus would want to speak to us as Christians, so we don't get absorbed by the selfishness of our culture. To live this way, joy, it explodes us into a life that God has intended for us. Jesus said that he had come that we may have life, life more abundantly, as opposed to living this petty, selfish way. I have come out ahead. I'll come out ahead on every single thing. I don't care what happens to everybody else as long as I get ahead. That's a very small, ugly life, and there are people who live like that. It's just a terrible, ugly kind of life to live. And then you come to their memorial service, you and three other people, (laughs) because that would be a reflection of how small and ugly that life truly has been. It's been said that the smallest prison in the whole world is not located in some country or city, But the smallest prison in the world is this skin. Those who live for Jesus first and others second 
is freed from that prison. The I will prison that our culture is drunk with. Joy will take us out of that prison into an abundant life of joy. The Bible has a remedy for what was started by the devil. I will. If you're not a Christian, the devil's goal in your life is not addiction. You know, you on heroin or alcohol, pornography or pleasure, anything of that. Now, those things only serve as his means, but his end is much bigger than that. The only thing the devil cares about is to take as many men, women and children and teenagers into hell with him. He knows that's where he is headed. And if he can do that through alcohol, through drugs, through pornography or pleasure, whatever it may be, he will do it. If he can use drugs to keep a person from ever coming in contact with God, he will use it. He will use anything in this world for his means if the end is hell for a person. And it's important, if you don't know Jesus Christ, that you would receive Christ into your life. That's God's plan for you. And if you do that, you will begin the life of joy. You put Jesus first, others second, and then yourself last. And listen, this is how you combat the enemy of our souls.